Hey everybody, welcome to the Spectre of Anti-Blackness. I'm, I'm your host, I have uh, co-host Maddie here along with two guests. We have uh, Lavi and we also have uh, Nicole and they're going to be joining us today for a very special episode. It's, we've, we've been on the podcast for a whole year. Uh, so what we're going to do today is we go over a conversation we've had in our um, mutual server, Africans for Revolutionary Organization, also known as Afro, where we talked about the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and then subsequently watched that movie. Um, so we talked about our thoughts about that. It's a little different for us because, you know, we do black movies usually on the server, but, you know, it's a little treat. Uh, we're, we're doing, um, we're doing, um, you know, it's a birthday episode, so enjoy. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's fair. We, we, we can do that. There's a lot of them, I feel like. There is. Where did, where did the conversation start is my question. It started when I brought up Atlanta. Okay. Um. Oh and it better not have been nothing negative about Atlanta. Um, knowing him, he probably did. God, please <laughs> take the wheel, please. Um, do you guys want to do like a play-by-play of the combo, or do you just, just want to read it? I need a play-by-play, because this is fun. <laughs> I also I remember, okay. I said that I was standing with Keith Stanfield. Right, right, right. But no, no, it started with nope, didn't it? It started with nope. That's how we got to Lakeith Stanfield. I had been like, blah, blah, blah. And then you had mentioned, like, how many episodes of Atlanta. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. And I remember watching Sorry to Bother You. Mm-hmm. Um, but then your bestie was like, I liked Sorry to Bother You when it came out. The plot just seemed all over the place. So, first, um, controversial remark. Mm. Mm-hmm, Actually, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mention you at the beginning. Okay, yeah, do that. It's almost like they only have those takes because no one else does. It's possible they I are love con- being contrarian. Quirky. That is possible. I'm trying to be quirky. <laughs> oh, I was supposed to ping you, my bad. <laughs> huh? I was supposed to ping. Well, Comrade Chairman Obi. Right, right, right. Um, so you were saying how you watched Sorry to Bother You when it first came out, but you were too young to understand how amazing he was in it because it was a little creepy. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he said the plot was all over the place. Mm. I ignored that one because I was kind of like, all right, but... I can't get into that today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is a, that's offensive, but not offensive to the point where I need to stop my life to correct it. I was like, okay, buddy, okay. Because <laughs> um, I don't want to feel like I'm just dogging the guy, you know? Um, we talk... Some people need to be dogged. It's fair. It, that you're you're not wrong. The village needs to needs to correct the village idiots. This is true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we talked about how the best part of Atlanta was all the black people getting the work out of it. Um, so that's where we got into Get Out. Um, and he said that's probably Jordan Peele's second best work behind Note, which. I don't know if I agree with, honestly. That's right. As soon as um, that night, when I saw um, those comments, I had a dream about the movie Nope. Really? But I've never seen it. <laughs> I, I watched the whole movie in my dream. <laughs> That's what happened to me with everything everywhere all at once before we watched it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did, did your dream line up with the actual movie? In terms of craziness, yes. Was I getting chased by an interdimensional villain? Yes. <laughs> Was I getting everything in terms of like how the universe works and all the other like timelines and whatnot explained to me by um, 
just a random Chinese elder person. Yes, that all happened. Interesting. Very cool. Jesus Christ, sorry. <laughs> that just flew out of my face very violently. Um, are you reading along with us, Nicole? Are you also seeing this? Let me have my phone back up. Oh, the nigga says, I said, drop my groceries off. Hell yeah, drop them groceries off. Yeah, because I refuse to go to the grocery store because there's people there. Yeah, and it's it's packed today for no reason because everyone's like, oh, last minute sh shopping, store's gonna be closed tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And I forgot oh, to grow, because like, I don't celebrate Christmas actively. Yeah, who does? And I don't even, like, have a Christmas tree, none of that shit. Right. I got time for it. <laughs> I went to Starbucks today thinking, hmm, Saturday morning, ain't no nigga gonna be here. Why were there so many people there? Mm-hmm. And I just stood there, and this girl kept giving me stink face because I was in and out. Bitch, if you just get a try, you'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came out of Starbucks and this man is out of his truck screaming at this woman in her car and I'm trying so hard not to make eye contact with either of them. No, it's not. I, no, I don't have time. I'm not trying to get yelled at too. That's fair. Um, yeah, he, so he, he said nope is probably Peel's biggest concept. And I was like, I was like, okay, you're getting kind of wild. Um, but I don't want to come out outright say you're wrong. So I was like, just tell us a little bit more of what you think, because maybe I'm not seeing things right. Um, and he drops the, um, the, the Brainiac, uh, take that the alien is actually the UFO, which, again, is outright explicitly stated in the movie. Um, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so, I mean, this just feels like because my, my issue with a lot of Jordan Peele uh, movies which I said in the podcast is um, it's either like almost juvenile like a student film it gravitates between student film or like way too like intellectual and highbrow and like I, I, I like completely over my head um and then, um, so I, I was explaining that a little bit to, um, Spirit. Um, he said he thinks the overall message is you can't tame nature. Which, again, that's like, are you complex or are you not complex? Because that just feels so basic, it, it, it hurts a little bit. Um, and then... From there, we talked about the just the, the general idea of high-concept films. He was like, he really likes high-concept films. And I was like, I do too. For example, Annihilation, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. And Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um, which maybe they're all just high-concept, but those just connected with me a little more than the Nope did. That's where Spirit was like, oh, I want to watch this. And I was like, do, because I will send you a video essay right after, since they love getting sent video essays. And then, that's when he started with the, uh, with the takes. Hmm. <laughs> like, you want to destroy everyone because your mom was busy with something for one day? <laughs> Goofy. <laughs> they didn't show a montage of the mom constantly annoying the daughter or anything. It was just one busy day. And you know what? I got on my fucking nerves. That <laughs> absolutely got on my nerves. Hey, girl, boss, delicious. Because you... I don't think they understand that even if you're only shown it one day, it doesn't happen one day. Right. Right? Very true. You think that she just woke up and decided to be a bitch to her daughter? What's going on here, bestie? <laughs> Yeah, let me... Yeah, just let the one shit day. on my girl Joy. Like, every other day we're besties. Let me shit on my girl Joy today. I think she can handle just once. Just once. 
Whoa, trivializing trauma and depression. And he said he was kidding, but he wasn't kidding. I was not kidding. <laughs> there was there was no joke there. That's how you know yes. they've never been depressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he's over here like there's no background going on and basically thinking that she's bitching about how her mom doesn't want her to be with her girlfriend or whatever. And I'm like, does everything really, really, really have to be explicitly stated for it to be the thing? Right. Like, reading back on it now, does, oh, it, yeah. does it have to be there? Because... That's, that's just not how it works in real life. If you go over to, like, your friend's house and you see that their mom's fussing at them, like, all types of crazy, like, even your parents wouldn't talk to you that way, you go home and you're like, oh, that was probably a one-time thing, only because I'm there. Of course not. You're going to be like, this is a reoccurring event. Those events don't just happen once. What's going on? Right. Right. Um... So I I, 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 I I tried to bring it because I, I said I was kidding, but like you said, I wasn't kidding. So I tried to, you know, I was playing it for last, but I was saying you're grossly misunderstanding her character. That's that's not how it works at all. That's like and so he goes on to say, I just wish she had a better motive as a villain. Um, he did like the fight scenes, except the butt plug ones. Which is where he's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a fair criticism. Butt plugs, kid. Just that one, though. Your butt plugs. It's fair to, to, butt plugs. To, 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 you know, talk about the oddness of the butt plugs. Um, yeah. But it, the, it, I will say it feels at least very, like, on brand for the movie. Oh, yeah, very much so. Um... So I go on to explain how her character isn't just like this one-dimensional goofy villain and how, you know, the whole donut thing is an allegory for depressive existential nihilism. A lot of kids fall into that. Um, and the actual thing she was dealing with, with like, you know, feeling emotional abandonment from her mom, um, the relationship between her parents falling apart, um, and, you know, how tough that is for a kid. Um, he, he, he goes on a little more to really focus in on the butt plugs. And he, he thinks it was done for shock factor, which is the point where I'm like, okay, you cannot like the butt plug fight. But shock factor? I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing that. That's... And even if it was shock factor, like, did we not watch the same movie? You're supposed to do the most random thing in the moment. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's one of those, tell me you don't really understand the concept without telling me you don't really understand the concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Um, so yeah, I, I praise, I ignore that, and I just go on to, to praise the movie. Um, it handles things its own way and handles them extremely well. And I, I compare it to Doctor Strange at this point in two ways. This first one being the music fight. Have you guys seen, um, Multiverse of Madness? I have. Yeah, so they do the fight with the musical notes. Like, it, the butt plugs thing reminds me of that. Well, the movie in general just reminds me of that. Where it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of silly for them to be fighting with music and musical notes. But at the same time, it's like you know, a, a very clever way to do it. Um, he says it steps on its tail a few times. I don't really know what that means. I don't really know what that's going to say. And then, um, I, so he, he thinks the, the general idea of the story is I'll love you in every universe, no matter who you are, but just a lot of shock factor and unnecessary movements. Um, and then he he does the cardinal sin and tries to come at working coolie. I just... Mm. Why do you love Coon so much? Bobby, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an excellent question. Um, no? 
I was explaining this to, to Maddie a little bit earlier. Um, Raccoon Cooey first, when it's first brought up, is just like this throwaway funny line. It's like, oh, she is misremembering Ratatouille. Which, it's funny because like it's in this moment where she's being asked to kill her daughter. But it's like, not only lighthearted, but kind of, it's like a real genuine family moment between them. Like the, the the daughter and the dad are laughing. It's it's they're like it's Ratatouille. Like what are you talking about? Um, so I, I I really connected with with that part of it, and and then um, continuing on, we find out <laughs> that it's it's an actual legitimate real thing in another universe that just like blew my mind because I it's Chekhov's gun but with with humor. Um, they they brought it back and the way that they like um poke fun at like uh Disney songs, the Pixar songs, it like you got a friend in me, but it's like, you know We're a family culinarily. It it's I think it's hilarious. Um and it's it was just a crazy way to bring that plot point into um just taking something as crazy as a guy with a raccoon on his head and making it just giving it so much depth and and power behind it i just i thought it was amazing i like that it shows that there is really anything possible in any universe like you can really do anything um like even if there's the hot dog fingers right you can still be you can still be good at piano with your feet right um, rakakuni there's there's probably in another universe lizard cooney <laughs> lizard tui um birded tui but it's showing like that it's still possible and you can still be successful no matter how many times you change the animal right right and it, exactly and that's what i was saying in, in my comment to him actually was that uh again to bring up dr strange it's like a extremely clever way to handle this multiverse theory but they do it so much better in this movie than in Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is just like, oh, it's New York now, but it's like green and red is go, but green is stop. And but this, like, you know, just does it way better. And that's actually when you came into the conversation. You're like, I don't know, I don't know what this movie is about at all. Because <laughs> like he's ruining it. He, he's, you know, so much stuff out of context. what's taking me out what, what you said what's taking you out rick and morty humor oh. <laughs> you know i've noticed you said there's always the people who think they have like the best take ever that have takes like that mm-hmm mm-hmm they're like i don't think we watched the same movie but <laughs> Think of a movie that confronts mother issues and the generational problems in an Asian household, specifically Asian for some reason, but throw in Rick and Morty humor and a lot of special effects. Oh my god. If everything was like the butt plug, then yes, I could see why you say Rick and Morty, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's not. And that's just them trying to break up the movie with humor. Right. Because they could have chose anything as the jumping pad in that scene. Right. That's very true. I like the butt plug. Really? I'm sure you do. Of course you do. (laughs) Oh, shut up. (laughs) I thought that that was enough shock and funny at the same time for me to be snapped out enough to remember oh yeah I'm watching a movie I'm not living this shit I'm fine (laughs) yeah just remember to plug your Adam and Eve code um plug being the emphasis word here um influencer code at the end of the show code Madison on 10 um for 10% off your Adam and Eve toy yeah (laughs) You know what, Addy? I almost called 911. <laughs> I have Thank a you, Nicole, for, for calling the cops on a black woman. I appreciate it. 
Well, you know what, Maddie? If you're gonna do bullshit like that, there, I have no choice, okay? Are you shaming sex work? Maddie, you're not even a sex worker. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and I've been a sex worker. I can't shame myself. You could. You could. How do you think the Christians get away with this? That's a kink. I mean, yeah, I probably could, but, like, I mean, I really could shame myself because I did fly off the fucking stage. <laughs> that is shameful in and of itself. That's still the most embarrassing. Nicole, that is so embarrassing. You, how do you think I feel, Maddie? It happened to me on a Friday night. Yeah, I wouldn't have admitted that. When I tell you I had never wanted anybody to ask me, are you okay? Don't ask me that. You didn't see that. <laughs> that did not happen. Didn't. 100%. Oh, I forgot to order vanilla wafers. So that's the point where I'm basically like, okay, fuck it. He's ruining the movie too much. We just have to watch it. Um, and then he goes right. to say it's a two-hour Mountain Dew Super Bowl commercial that talks about generational trauma. And I was like, no, just please stop talking about it. You're confusing everyone. Let's watch it. All right. So um, and at least they the, shut the fuck up. The the two hour experience of a lifetime was great. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was a really good movie. I'm still very like, not necessarily perplexed by their tape. More like, what is what? Mm-hmm. It's okay because I know he's mentally ill, which is why I'm gonna open up a hospital for mentally ill Africans. So he'll be the third patient. Just... Wait, who's the first two? Me and Maddie. All right, that's good to know. Um, okay, so you guys like ready to it. do a cast then? Can I can I ask some cast questions? Sure. Nice. Okay, so uh, what did we think about everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once? Beautiful, show-stopping, amazing, spectacular, extravagant, mm. opulence. Mm. Yes. She yes. is the moment. Literally. The only moment. Who is she in question? All of them. <laughs> all at once. The every, everyone, everywhere, all at once, yeah. Wayman, she is the moment. Um, Wayman specifically. And Miss Evelynisha. The moment. <laughs> Am I always gonna be Team Evelyn? Probably. Michelle. Mama Jody. The moment. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, questions. I have some questions I like to pose. Um. So I I feel like the movie took this interesting. Okay. First, actually, before I ask my questions, can we go one by one and kind of what were some of your favorite parts of the movie? To be mushy or not to be mushy, that is actually the question. Mm. Mm. I say mush away. I think probably my very favorite part, aside from, like, the realization to Evelyn that her daughter, like, really needed her, needed her health, was, like, when she's like, I'm gonna hug you, and just hugged her. Mm -hmm. And you could tell everyone was a little bit uncomfortable, but she needed it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good part. I am gonna say this is a little weird. I would say the the full descent into madness, like in the the first act, um, that Evelyn makes where Joy realizes that now there's someone that can share this experience with her. Oh, I think that demon that era really Evelyn. Great. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really cool, um, because there are not too many occasions where people who are that deep in the shit have someone close to them that they can relate to being that deep in the shit, and that's, like, a great setup for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think it's very significant that her mom had to get there and experience it with her first before being able to help pull her out of it. Yeah. That's really all we want as depressed people. Mm-hmm. Not trying right. to fix me, not trying to um, offer advice. I just want you to understand where I'm coming from. And right. 
Right. Put yourself in my shoes. Think about it from somebody else's perspective. And not necessarily try to fix or try to help. Just be there. Right. Uh, Lavi, did you have a uh, favorite part? You already know. The googly eyes. Oh. Uh. Right. <laughs> um, um, just that part. Uh, just be a rock and not... Um, I think that's also near the line where Joy is saying this is only... Um, life is where we just have a few specks of moments that make sense and it kind of helped cure my fear of like outer space and death mm -hmm. um which soul pixar did not do mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i feel maybe with soul maybe i was just too depressed to understand because i kept focusing on the great beyond in that movie mm -hmm. and not really um how you like you choose what's your spark but this one it's like you don't have to understand you just just live just be just do what you are meant to do right. not try to understand everything just just be right almost like it's just not meant to be understood in the first place exactly so why waste your life trying to figure out something that you're never going to figure out um before we get majorly into it uh, i do want to ask pose one question um so even though this is a uh, very special podcast episode, um, a year in, uh, this would be the first time we make an episode about a movie that is not black. There are, I'm going to say no black characters in the movie. Um, do you think this detracts away from the movie any... Um, I mean, and of, co of course it doesn't because it's not like we only watch black movies, but um, do you think watching it, like, is it hard for you to connect to the characters, Evelyn and uh, the, as the main character and such, as a as, as black people? Um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I don't really think so. I think... I mean, it would be nice to see, like, yourself in a character, but I think because they are a minority and I know their culture is very similar, especially with the way that we, both of our minorities, have severe generational trauma from a lot of things, whether that be from, you know, post-traumatic slave syndrome or being held to unnecessarily high standards to be one of the first people in your family to, like, move on from certain things so I think if it would have been a fully white cast, it would have been a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Mostly because I think, especially because they are a predominantly Asian cast. Right. And I know generational trauma runs very deep in Asian communities. And I know they don't necessarily show each other love the way they need to be shown as Evelyn like came to the realization during the movie. I think if it would have been a fully white cast, it would have been more trivialized and mm. seemed more trivialized right. because that's usually what they do in those specific movies. Everything's like, oh, I didn't get the promotion. Let me just take myself out. Stuff like that. It showed like more real life things that go deeper than just a few events. Right. I, I fully agree with that. I feel like the the fact that they're asian it's an asian household and like the the experiences with generational trauma are very similar from what i've seen um like it definitely didn't take away from the meaning of the and i would say the lines or the the plot points about evelyn having to immigrate with her husband that she was told not to be with that definitely added to the story in a good way because it gives a little bit more color on Evelyn's sense of practicality and why she feels the way that she does right. about how serious everything needs to be taken. I do not think that it harmed the movie in any facet. I still related to it. Right. Yeah, like Nicole said, if those around white people, it would be trivialized. They would be like, 
why I'm so upset. I didn't get what I want. Mm -hmm. But like in black households, Asian households, um, Latin households, we get put unrealistic expectations on our children to do more and be better. So Mm -hmm. the, the experience is the same. It didn't detract at all. So enjoyable. Awesome. That, yeah, that actually reminds me of um, Turning Red. I don't know if you guys saw that, but very similar movie to this. I need to watch that movie. It's very good. It's another, yeah. like, Asian generational, specifically mother-daughter kind of kind of movie. Yeah, I'm going to have to put that on my watch list. Um, okay, so what didn't you guys like about the movie? That made me cry. (laughs) (laughs) The audacity. (laughs) Like, literally. What my, uh, the whole, like, the realization of Evelyn and this just, you know, I get very emotional, very emotionally attached to characters very, very, very quickly. So when Wayman was basically like, I need a divorce because this just is not working. And then in the next universe, he was like, I need a divorce. And remember this person got the divorce and it helped them work through a lot of things like it's not that he wanted a divorce he was a cry for help but the way Evelyn's Facebook broke my heart mm. and see I am like never the type of person to get emotional with the media that I watch I've maybe out of all the movies that I've seen in my life all the TV shows I've cried at maybe like two or three things that movie had me ugly crying after it was over and that a hundred percent un unnecessary should not have happened yes oh my god yeah like snot coming out the nose like (laughs) what's going on um uh when joy was like just leave me alone at the end like i and evelyn said okay i'm like um because i've done that i'm sure we've all done that depression makes Mm. you test people Mm-hmm. And you don't you you may unconsciously or consciously be aware of it, but you don't really say what you mean. And if people like if Evelyn were to leave, I'm just like okay, I'll leave you alone. It just proves to Joy like yeah, she doesn't really care about me. She just left me, right. abandoned me. But no, she realizes later. No, um, we have these faults, um, but I'm still gonna love you for it. We're gonna work it out together. And the hug, like that's all. I, I put myself in Joy's shoes. Like, that's all I wanted. Just be there for me. Tell me. I need you now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to understand. But yeah, they're not seeing heaven for making me cry like that. That, that was... Right. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not a bit. Put it in a petition with God right now. You ain't going to see the pearly gates. There's ain't no way. <laughs> I'm gonna make a class action lawsuit, but in heaven, and say like, "Who all cried during this movie?" And we're gonna hold a big grievance in front of God Himself. <laughs> it's good to cry he though, you know. All of us cry. Was there anything you didn't like, Obi? Uh, excellent question, co-host Maddie. Um, I didn't like. Hmm. Nothing. I thought it was a great movie through and through. Um. It handles a lot of really important topics very well. Um, I thought it was an interesting kind of throwaway line um, when Evelyn's like, you know, I'm calling. She, I, I think she calls the girlfriend a a he, but she's like, oh, you know, in our language, it's all the same. She, he, I get mixed up with that stuff all the time. Um, but regardless, um, it's still important in, in her daughter's eyes to, like, um, like, it's, it's this forward progression. It's like this, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Progressiveness. That, um, isn't always seen the same way in every culture, you know, and even if she's not like purposefully trying to be uh uh disrespectful or um you know trying to de-emphasize or belittle her experience it is still like this different uh 
gap that she has to, this different hurdle she has to cross. And that's all just in, like, one little throwaway line that I got that out of, you know? It's like, this movie's just chock full of so many different uh, minor, subtle, uh, important topics, plethora of them. And I think it just, it handles all of them very, very well, even the ones that it doesn't uh, touch on heavily. <laughs> Bless that you. is very true. Thank you. Yes. I didn't even think of it like that. I was just... That's uh, a good way to think of it, though. It is a good way. I was just chalking it up to English being a second language. Because in Chinese, ta is... It does mean all of those. Mm-hmm. You can use it for anything. But yeah, that's true. Um, being uh, Not being progressive like that. So, no, I'm glad you pointed that out. And I think they also did a really, really good job at showing how microaggressions, like how micro they really, truly are, mm. but how you still know that they're being very racist about what they're trying to say. Like when they were at the IRS, I told you that's why you bring your daughter to translate for you. Like mm-hmm. they're too stupid to figure it out themselves. Right. Yeah. I'm speaking slowly. Oh I yeah. The loud you. and slow. <laughs> You can say it as slow as you want. I still didn't understand. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah, I think, I definitely do think because it was an Asian cast, and I know that they do have a very, very similar experience as the Black community does, especially with government officials and how they're looked at and how they're treated almost to the point where they're like, infantilized mm. oh, just yeah, because for sure. you don't speak English it showed, it showed a lot of those very subtle things that they have to deal with on a daily basis but it also showed how hard it is to navigate those things while still trying to hold everything else together okay so I um, and it, it's funny because my, uh, my nieces and nephews at, at least my niece especially they're you know still learning English as they're growing up but they just they say he for everyone that's the only <laughs> that's the only one that they know right now so even when they're talking they know the difference between a, a boy and a girl but they just say he for everyone which I, I think is funny but um question did you guys watch that um that video essay that i sent no hi I think I added it to my queue, but I don't remember if I watched it or not. I don't think I did. Okay, follow-up question then, because that was like a, a diverging path there. Uh, who is your favorite character, and why? I think that, and I know this is the point that you're getting into, um, I think women was just like the perfect character in this movie the the way that he's represented with the the alpha women versus the the original women that we're used to and how different they are and even the the women from the timeline where Evelyn is like rich and famous fancy and whatever women. Mm-hmm. yeah fancy women they're all very different sides of the same understanding person which was very cool to see mm-hmm mm-hmm Find yourself a layman. <laughs> I think he might have been. I don't know. I I want to say he's my favorite favorite character because like, Wayman was one hundred percent just like the shit. Was there for any everybody, even in like his small subtle ways, trying to cheer people up like with his little googly eyes and just doing everything that he could. But I also really liked Joy's character because it really does just show, like, the sheer destruction depression can truly have on your life. Mm. Yeah, Joy was really relatable. I liked her a lot. And her being the, the villain, Joe Butapaki. Um, and she had a bitchin', <laughs> bitchin' fashion taste. Like, he did. Not a single fit was undelivered. <laughs> 
laid the house down every she single time. She came to serve. Might be depressed, but she looked good. Yeah, I, I, it reminds me that, that there's this one line she says. Um, Give me back my joy. I want my joy back or something like that. And I, I felt like that wasn't... Like, she is talking about her daughter. But it felt like there were layers to that, um, to that sentence there. I don't know. I felt like that name was intentional, yeah. But I feel like that was created specifically for the purpose of not necessarily just that line, but, like, you name your daughter Joy. It's supposed to be happy, and yet she's a massive destructive entity across several universes sucking people in with her depression like that was definitely <laughs> the the juxtaposition that they did on purpose it, yeah i think that that's it is very a very good juxtaposition i also think it goes a lot into like how when you have a child you have this vision for how your child's life is supposed to go and you plan it out and you give them this name that you think is going to suit them and what they're going to grow into. But you're not also conceptualizing the fact that they are their own person. And you can want whatever you want for them. Right. But that might not be the reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel you on that. Um, so I, my, my one question that I want to ask, uh, as we are all familiar with uh, tradition and spirituality um <laughs> what are our thoughts around uh, i i feel like there were spiritual layers to this movie that are a little hard to conceptualize for me I, I've, I've been kind of working on it for a little while but i feel like um they use the multiverse in this way to like talk about metaphysical aspects like spirituality um, within the main story because if and in, in, in my half-developed thought um, this story could really be taking place just on the one uh, universe but like um, all these different things that are happening are kind of happening like on the spiritual plane uh, do you guys have any thoughts around anything like that I thought that the way that they painted each version of Evelyn, well, in every other character, each version of Evelyn to, to be a result of the, the different choices that she's made in life, that was very familiar because even, like, us being here, the one of the main tenets of this server is, like, you have choice in basically every aspect of your life, even down to being born, and, like, she chose to be that worse version of Evelyn than she was. That was that was all a culmination of all of her awful decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it also shows, like, aside from it being the multiverse, it really just shows you, like, all of your choices, it can take you literally wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. You just have to have the conviction to believe in yourself enough to actually go for those things. Like with Evelyn being the worst version of herself in that universe, it's almost like when her parents didn't want her to leave and when they basically just cut her off, mm -hmm. that was what ended her will to want to do more. So mm. she just felt like she needed to settle because she probably felt she like she wasn't worth more than what she had. So she just was stagnant and never decided to push forward or try to do different things, maybe in a different way to get herself into a different position. Okay, so you guys are thinking that, that the choices that Evelyn made uh, affected um, like her, her actual ability in each... Uh, universe. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, the martial arts one when she uh, could fight everything with her kinky. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Staying at home, training martial arts. Then, but then the other one staying at home and she's super fashionable, like movie star. Mm -hmm. And the other one where she's uh, 
or opera singer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's choosing these things, and then those were all within her. But she's able to choose what she wants to do, and then that life creates itself from those choices. So do you think that she, like, chose to create... I don't want to say evil version of her daughter, but, like, she was the exact reason in each universe for all those versions of joy? I think some of it has to do with the generational trauma of doing the same thing that your parents did to you. Like, they made it a point to point out that when she left with Wayman, how her dad cut her off and before that didn't really show her anything but hardness you know, didn't know how to really necessarily show his love. I think it's more almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, like her thinking, oh, I'm not going to amount to anything more than this because, you know, that's all she really was hearing. Like, if you aren't doing this, you're going to end up like this. And at some point, she just kind of internalized it and decided, you know, maybe maybe they're right and just stopped. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing I... I pointed it out in my head when we were watching the movie. I want to say that they were in uh, some kind of secluded area, and she was explaining to her regular Joy and Wayman. She was like, Joy, you're going to have all these dark feelings come over you, and all this stuff is going to happen to you, and I want you to know that it's not your fault. It's the insert botched version of her, like, heralded name um, (laughs) doing this to you. And I thought it was very cool because she had the point right in front of her, like completely spelled out, and yet she still did not get that it was her own actions and um, her own relationship with her daughter that was causing it to happen all those other times. I thought that was very interesting. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It kind of brings up how even if you spell it out for them sometimes, parents and other people... Um, will be completely ignorant to the harm that they cause directly to their their children and the people in their life. I thought that was a very clever way of saying that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't even pick up on that. Um, I didn't answer this question, so I'll, I'll go back a little bit to answer it. Um, my favorite character was Joy. Um... Honestly, I, I like all of the characters, but I, I think Joy was my favorite. Just okay, from a different aspect though. I just like her acting. Like she was, <laughs> it was fantastic, impeccable. Um, but my favorite from a character standpoint would have to be Wayman. I want to talk about uh, what you said, Maddie, about Alpha Wayman, and you feel like that was. Um a positive aspect of of say of sir wayman i yeah i did because nicole vaguely brought it up earlier but like seeing this beat down and broken regular women in this universe like they're on the brink of the divorce and whatnot and then this other wayman comes in he's all like loving and caring towards Evelyn and he's like realized in himself he's able to do x y and z and he doesn't feel like he's being chained around by his wife I thought that was interesting I would like to point out one thing I'm not going to spill the um the video essay for you guys I definitely think you should watch it if you if you find the time um but I think he is called Alpha Wayman for a reason you know, there's a I, lot. Of, there's a lot of talk about alphas these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost touching on um, toxic masculinity, right? But in a very low key way. Right. He he's very assertive and he's very kind of forceful. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like we should take another look at alpha of alpha women, but um. You know what? That does that sparked a little memory in my brain because that when after Evelyn met alpha women, she was obviously. Aside from her being confused, she was basically, like, telling Wayman, like, you were so strong, this, that, almost like the expectations of what everyone thinks a man is supposed to be. Right. But him and himself being very sensitive and very caring and in touch with his 
feelings and not afraid to express the things that he's feeling. It's almost like, which one is truly better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, there's this uh, one time where where uh, Fancy Wayman, he says to her, don't break my heart, you know, because it's... He he has what in society we would think everyone wants to have, right? He's got the money, he's 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 fancy, he's rich, you know. Uh famous, I don't know, maybe. But he isn't happy. He says he would rather the universe where he's just um doing laundry and taxes with her above a laundromat. That's his preference. So in that moment, it's almost like we, we pity him for what he didn't have, even though he's supposedly the one who has everything. Um, Money doesn't buy happiness. No, sure doesn't. Um, Aside from, like, obvious capitalistic happiness. So there is one scene that I really like. I asked you guys your favorite part about the movie and your least favorite parts about the movie, but I want to talk about a specific scene that I have in mind that really stuck with me. And if you guys have one as well, you can also add on to it. Um, the scene for me was when she reaches that point of, like, finally seeing all of the universes. And with just, like, a changing of her hand, she, like, is in every universe at the same time, right? And what she does is she touches Wayman, and he kind of, like, shakes in this way. Um, and what that was relaying to me is, like... All of the possibilities of just touching him of like what she can really choose whether to do good or evil in just this touch. Like there's they're laughing but then she's like choking him or like you know stabbing him. And it's really like able to convey like the 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 very the inherent and important choice we have in like every aspect of dealing with each other. And that, that really stuck with me. Not to sound like a psycho, but sometimes I really do be feeling like this. <laughs> I can put my hands around your little neck and squeeze. I think one of the scenes that stuck out to me, um, oh my goodness, was um, the, the one where Lavi was talking about it earlier, where they've gone through the universes they're both rocks and joys on the little speck of time that makes sense thing i enjoyed how serene it felt um when they're rocks just looking over a canyon mm -hmm. i i thought that was a really nice moment because they kind of got to that understanding where it's like the insignificance of everything kind of makes it a little more peaceful knowing that your decisions don't necessarily matter as much and i know that that was kind of used as a point of her to be um nihilistic in the movie mm -hmm. but as someone who worries about everything like every single thing that i do i thought that it was fun to see that moment of like you know take a deep breath we're very small we're just doing stuff there was only a small chance of us being able to live here i'm a rock you're a rock we're all chilling and whatnot mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was a powerful scene yeah this feels good to surrender you you you're like oh no i'm a rock and life wasn't able to happen on this planet but what can you do nearest a rock so just just accept it well not accept but that's funny right almost yeah you can't make things happen that are not supposed to happen until she puts googly eyes on that rock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pushes it off the cliff. <laughs> What's even better about that rock scene is that when they come back to it later, and she's like, oh my god, you're not supposed to be able to move here. Um, that was that was even cooler, because even at the, the most insignificant you can be, it's like you're able to, to alter the course of events, you're able to make decisions in your current reality that do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. rocks don't move on their own until they do, and now these rocks have googly eyes. That's cool. 
And they chase after each other in the canyon. <laughs> yeah, I also... It, it's crazy how there's, like, so many different layers on it. Because the, the layer that I saw there was, like, the, the philosophical one of, like, the nihilism versus the absurdism of like since there's no rules we can do whatever we want and you know we can choose happiness um but yeah there's there's so much in that scene and also just how serene like after the movie is going so crazy and the climax and then it's just like this brief respite right just like boom calm just look over this canyon it's excellent scene agreed And it's almost like saying, like, almost in a way, because they said, you know, we're just rocks. You, you Hey, you're not supposed to move. What are you doing? It's almost like saying, like, this is what society says you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to fit in this box. Mm. But you have the power to break out of that and do your thing that you are supposed to do. Just because somebody says you can't do something doesn't mean that you can't if you believe in yourself enough. Right. Damn, that sounds cliche. <laughs> Believe in yourself. I think that maybe they should be making more cliche movies. I kind of, after seeing that, I am team corny shit all the way. <laughs> like, that was a lot of liberation for me. I know y'all really enjoyed it. And I've said before, they do not make a lot of what feels like appealing feel-good movies as much. And they, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe in yourself. You can do anything, whatever. Cool, great. I need to see more of that. Right. This is crazy. I I do think a lot of people, especially those who suffer with mental health, would really relate to the movie because it tackles mental health issues in a literal, like, in-your-face type of way, like with the bagel. It might not seem in your face, especially with people who have never suffered with anything that has to do with mental health, but it it tackled it in a way that makes it, like, less stigmatized. Have knowledge of the trenches in order to really grasp how amazing and profound the movie was, or is it something that you can um, understand all right without actually having to be there that is kind of tricky because i don't want to say like if you've never dealt with this you're not truly going to understand be able to understand but like at the end of the day that really is a very big thing not everybody's going to understand it because not everybody's had to deal with these traumas or have to overcome things like that um i do think people who have never been through it could probably understand it but i think it's going to resonate the most with people who have been through it and been in the trenches because it's not something it's it's one of those things that like it's almost an aha moment like you're watching it you're like oh i've been there and then you start crying if you've known someone who's been through that or it seems like you just have basic empathy you you should be able to enjoy it but like we saw in Dunrest there, um, probably not. Uh, sometimes I guess it can go over your head. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, and it's almost kind of like, almost a metaphor for people in the world who are just like, oh, you have depression? Let's just go outside go test some grass. <laughs> How about you actually go hiking and work out because then you're not going to be depressed anymore. Just get over it. I had a therapist it's... in college to say, have you tried being happy? Like, <laughs> why do you think I'm here? Like, you think I haven't tried that before? Well, um, right. You want to waste $60 copay just to say try to be happy? Right. Like, you're in my bad. Let me go run 14 miles and hope to God that my brain can produce enough serotonin to make me happy. Yeah, like a little hamster on the wheel. Let me just run it out, run out the depression. I I did not realize until you sent this, Lobby, that the googly eye is an inverse of the bagel. The white on yes. black instead of the black on white. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. The bagel, you have everything possible in the universe. Joe Butabaki 
can look at any situation and overcome it instantly because she has access to the bagel, but she's not focusing on everything. She's focusing on the negative, the inside of the bagel. But the googly eye has everything, the, the bagel itself, in the center, and then the nothingness on the outside. Just focus, and it's like you have infinite possibilities. Everything matters versus infinite possibilities. Oh, nothing matters. So opposites of each other. And visual opposites. Wayman is putting googly eyes everywhere. Even mm. on the, um, in the very beginning with the umbrella, he's like, focus on the center. Um, and he says that, focus on the center, like the googly eye, focus on the center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I feel like this movie would really reward um, a second watch um, to kind of pick up on things you missed the first time. Like when they first show the um, guy in the restaurant, you can't. You can see the raccoon tail hanging out, but if you're not looking for it, you miss it, which I think is pretty funny. You and raccoon. Look, he's my he's my best friend. Culinarily, we're we're you know we're homies. <laughs> we love raccoon. How can we not love raccoon? Um. Okay, this was uh, this was good. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about the movie before we wind down? I would say, if you are not into crying, don't watch it. <laughs> if you, you haven't cried the... in a while, watch it. Yeah, you can be the most fortified person in the world. It's not gonna work. That's fair. That's fair. If you um, don't cry, you have issues. No, but uh, <laughs> go watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, thanks for calling me out. I appreciate that. You didn't. Exceptional movie. I I I don't know. Look, I don't I don't know the whole crying thing. There's a thing. I don't know what it is yet. I'll get there one day. I'll figure it out. My crying thing was the emotional resolve of. Um, Evelyn realizing the harm that she caused to her daughter, I think I'm like, damn, that should be me. (laughs) I got closure through a movie. Um, I think Projection has won today, and I'm I'm just going to let it ride. I don't need therapy anymore. I am no longer mentally ill. I am healed. That's probably exactly the message they want you to get from this movie. All right. Uh, uh, plugs time. You guys have any plugs you want to plug? And not 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 the butt kind. Well, oh, I can't link my Adam and Eve code. No Adam and Eve code, please. Um, I don't even have one. Um, <laughs> Join House of Hoodoo. Discord.gg. Slash Hoodoo. That's a good plug. Or don't. It's a free country. Is it though? But is it for no. some people? So join. <laughs> if you're black and you're wanting to get into ATIs or just be around other black people, do it. Yeah, you don't have to practice anything you can just hang out keep us active you know that's all fun we play games and watch movies we have snacks so join maddie you got a plug that was the plug oh that's okay group plug group plug group plug i mean if you're listening to this you probably are already in afro but if not join afro you know, you're making it seem like all of my listeners are in Afro, and for the most part, you are correct. But also, <laughs> you know, uh, if this ever expands, people aren't going to know what Afro is. You are so right. So join Afro, join Afro's offshoot, Afro Gaming. They play game, we play game. We played game last night. Game. And it's black people who game. You it don't is. have to worry about racism in the chat <laughs> no one's right. gonna call you the n-word uh derogatorily yeah derogatorily <laughs> <laughs>
racist. And it is people saying the N word. It's from black people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't guarantee you won't feel victimized by it still, but that's fine. So I end every podcast with a um with like a little uh a prayer or like a, a blessing, a um a, a thought for people that you may not often think about. Um, like I pray that if you drop your phone, the screen doesn't crack. Um, do you guys have anything you want to add? I pray you never stub your toes, especially when you're cold. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good one. I pray that when you hang your towel up on the, the door or the, the rod or the ring or whatever, it does not fall on the floor. <laughs> That's a good one. I pray you find parking um, wherever you go because it's crazy out here, especially in these holidays. That is um, so people, true. You have oh. to be offense and defense while you're oh. driving. So, you know, um, I hope driving is easy for you. That's beautiful. My final prayer is that you like and subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> That's a good one, too. <laughs> All right, great. Okay, um, your food is always seasoned. Mm, you are always mm-hmm. on heat. I don't know if you can pray that one into somebody. Um, I'll just you contact um, that one line of Oshun, um, who deals with drumming. Boom. <laughs> okay, listeners, we're going to go watch um, a movie that we won't talk about in a future episode. Um, so don't even expect that to happen. Okay, bye. So everybody, we're, we're, we're waving bye. Goodbye. Peace out. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.